So verse 9, it says, my pigeon's mind says, how can? <laughs> how can? Cause not. How can a young man keep his way pure? So young people, young man, not just man, woman, but any man for that matter. But the psalmist is probably young. And he's asking, he's pondering this question. I just want to pause here for a little bit because we do have young men and women in the house and um, just this is a big question. Like I really want to ask you, young man, do you ask yourself this question? Are you concerned about your way and are you concerned about purity? Because what we're going to see soon and very soon is the Bible is for young people. Very much so. 2 Timothy 2.22, it talks about youthful passions, youthful lusts. And so he's asking the question because he probably, as this young man, realizes he's not so pure. His way is not so right on. And so he naturally asks the question, so how can? How does a young man keep, keep his way? The word for way is path. It's journey. It's route. Or it even says in some dictionaries for Hebrew, a manner of life. My lifestyle. How can, how can me, a young, sinful, lustful man, keep my manner of life, my way, my path pure? It's a word of cleanliness. It's a word of... What's the opposite of pure? Impure. It's a word of wholeness. Not, hypoc not hypocrite. Not dual. Not I'm this way I'm here and then on this way I'm, I'm like this. No, it's one way, one life, whole, pure. How does this happen? How can I keep my way pure? Um, Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he speaks of a sincere a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He's warning them about false teachers who's making their ways impure. And he's like, you need to fight for that sincere and pure devotion. The psalmist is asking that question. How do I keep my life pure? Don't you want that? Don't you want to have a whole life? Aren't you tired of living dual or hip hypocritical? You're one way here in the, in the pews, and then when you get in your car, you're a different way. So he's asking this question. It's a great question, guys. It's the question of how do I live a life of devotion to Christ? A sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You can reword it in how do I truly walk, talk, and be a Christian? But we'll use the terms devotion tonight. So how can a young man, how does any man for that matter, how does everyone in this house right here Live a life of devotion to the Lord. Well, he says, by guarding it according to your word. First point, a life of devotion lives according to your word. Now, I say live because the word guard and according has these implications of obedience. The NIV, and I won't say this a lot, but I like the NIV's translation in this. Where it says, how does a young man uh, keep his way pure? By living according to your word. You look at the earlier part of this psalm, Psalm 119, verses 1 through 5. Look, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law. 
Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. So when he gets down to verse 9, he's talking about guarding it according to your word. It's a life. You don't just sit, read, pray, close your journal, and then do nothing. If what, if what we're reading in our devotions doesn't change our doing, we're, we're doing it terribly wrong. Did not James say, don't merely hear the word, but what? You do it. You do it. When we obey, we're guarding that, that pure, sincere, simple devotion. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.22 that our souls get purified when we obey the truth. There's something that happens with a, the word of God when you don't just hear it, but you actually put it to practice. It's like when someone tells me, you should go surfing. and they, We could talk all about surfing, but there's something different that happens to my heart when I'm on the board and on the wave. Just something comes, like it just gets seared in there. And I leave that session and say, I loved surfing. That was fun. Let's do it again. See, I wonder, I wonder if maybe last year you've attempted to have devotions and it's after a month or so, it just kind of got dry or you just didn't really care to make time and you just started to, it's just a thing or you just kind of, and it slowly peters off. You know how it is. January, you're like, I'm going to do a Bible reading plan. And you're like stoked. And three years, like, yeah, let's go. And then one month goes by. And, and then after two, three, you're kind of like, ah, and it peters off. I wonder, I wonder if a lot of our devotional life is lifeless because we just read. I wonder. You've got to guard it. You've got to protect it by living according to his word. I wonder, and I wonder if this year, if you, young man, young woman, families, if we take the, 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 the blessedness of a scripture and just go 10 times hardcore and just trying to apply it. I'm still mulling over Psalm 27 from Sunday of sing. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing. I will sing. And all through from Sunday to now, I've just been in the moments of my day when I'm like, I'm just hurting right now, Lord. I would just blast the music in my truck. I haven't done that since like high school maybe, but just blasting it, just sing, sing, and I'm meditating on Psalm 27. I'm still chewing on a little bit from true Christmas joy from last Wednesday, or last last Wednesday, in Philippians 2. See, do we just hear the word of God, or do we live it? That's why I pray over your note-taking. Please, Lord, don't let it just be points that get put and filled in to a blank and we feel good about that. No, this needs to trigger a conversation with you and God. What must I do, Lord? This is how a young man keeps his way pure, by guarding it according to the word. A life of devotion is living it out. Lives according to the word. A life of devotion, verse 10, with my whole heart, not most, not part, not some, but all of that. All your insides, everything you got within you. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let's break this down. My whole heart, inner man, your mind, your will, 
your guts. Let me give you some other verses. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with most of your heart. No, you'll seek me and find me, says the Lord, when you seek me with 99.9% of your heart. All of it. That's when you find him. A life of devotion wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. And we need to beg because all of us confess we lack that, right? But this is a call to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. Wholeheartedly seeks, now look, the person of Christ. With my whole heart, I seek you. You. It sounds simplistic, but really think about it. When you're sitting at your table or your coffee shop or your beach or wherever you have your devotional times, you're sitting there and you're opening up the Bible and you start reading, what are you doing? Like, who are you? What are you seeking? Are we seeking principles and wisdoms to help better our careers and life? Here, are we seeking an intellectual buzz to find a juicy insight that just tickles us a little bit? Are we seeking just a spiritual warm, fuzzy feeling? Just to, you know, just, just give me something positive to just get me through this one next day. Now, all those things in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad, but when you're seeking, when you're in your book, when you're in the Bible, what are you and I doing? Like right now, what are we seeking? Who are we seeking? The psalmist says, my whole heart, I want you. I want the person and I want Jesus. Like I'm after a man. When I read the Bible, I'm after the author. Is that what devotion is to us? Like I have to, and, and sometimes when I'm reading it, I'm, I'm praying. I gotta, I, I'm just like, even if I'm reading a good Christian book, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm seeking the Lord. Are you? You know, it's very possible to look like we're having devotions and not even spend time with the person. John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40, Jesus says, I, warned, I told you, you diligently search the scriptures, Pharisees, because you think that in that you'll get life. But no, no, no. The scriptures testify about me. You fail to come to me. You read my book, but you don't know the author. That is very possible. That's why I'm very careful when I encourage young men and start giving them the practical advice of how to have a, a devotional time with the Lord. I just pray and I really urge them, make sure you're spending time with God. You're not trying to get the answers so you can tell that girl what it is and impress her. You're not trying to study really hard so you can show up at church and feel, you know, I'm the Bible answer man. No, no, no. What are you seeking? What are you trying to do? What are we trying to do? You're not just looking for an answer to solve your, your life's pro problem. I want to spend time with the king. With my whole heart, I seek you. And when you pause, when we pause and think about who it is we're seeking, guys, think about him. Think about his life. Jesus was such an awesome man. He, he walked the earth with such humility. He came as a babe. He lived sinless. In spite of all the depravity around him and all the, 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 the wrongfulness towards him, he walked through it all and he loved every single person perfectly. He was perfect in all of his ways. He's full of grace and truth. You think of his death. You think of how he bled and he took mocking and scoffing and shame and he was whipped and bruised and battered and he bled on a tree to his death. 
He was crucified. You think of him. This is the man I'm spending time with in my devotions. And then you think of his life. He died, but he didn't stay dead. That just blows my mind every time I think about that. He's alive. The Lord is alive, and he's living, and he's here. When I'm spending devotional time with the Lord, I'm seeking that man. Doesn't that blow your mind that you're spending time with him? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth. Tell me not you get butterflies. I know it's not about the feeling because our, our emotions, our, our heart is deceitfully wicked, but when you spend the time to meditate and think deeply about who it is you're seeking, it almost comes to a point like, can I not love this? How can I not seek him with everything I got? How can this not be about love? And so much more of the scriptures make so much more sense. It's why, it's why someone like the Apostle Paul would say, I consider it all rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing him, Christ Jesus my Lord. I'm seeking you. Jeremiah says, you seek me, you find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And just the thought of the truth of God's word that says, I can get to him. Young man, young woman, I beg you this year, go get God. You get him. You get him with everything you got. Stuff comes in your way. Get out of my way. I want Jesus. You go get him. You seek him with every fiber of your being. He's worth it. He's worthy of it all. And that's why the psalmist can pen something like this and mean it. He's like, I will, with my whole heart, I seek you. It's a chase. Maybe we have forgotten what we're doing here. Do you love Jesus? We're so quick to say that. But if you love him, then go get him. How can we not love him? Amen? After all he has done and all he continues to do. Saving wretches like us. This is why John says, I love the Lord because he first loved me. Keep in mind this, that the writer, David, is a man who is saved by grace. He's captivated by the saving work of God in his life. Did he not write Psalm 27 that we walk through together on Sunday? The Lord is my light and my salvation. This is how a saved man sings. This is how a redeemed man writes. I'm going to get you with all my, I'm seek you with all my heart. A life of devotion wholeheartedly seeks the person of Christ. And then he says, I love this, let me not wander from your commandment. I love this phrase, let me not. Let me not. In the beginning of his psalm, he says this once in the first few stanzas. You look at the last stanza of this psalm when you get to the 160s, 70s. You're thinking, that's how many verses? Yeah, 176 verses in this psalm. But when you get to the last stanza, he says, let me four times. Why is let me such a big deal? Because let me tells me he sees that 
all his devotion, all his affection, all his seeking, all his doing was all by the sovereign will of God. He let me. Look at how he said, he's let me not wander. He's not saying, I'm never going to wander from you. He says, Lord, please let me not wander from your commands. A life of devotion realizes this, family. The Lord is the sovereign shepherd. The Lord is the sovereign shepherd. So when you're having your moments of you're just like jiving, you're like, oh my gosh, I was talking to a brother recently. He's like, man, this year has been so good. I've been loving my times with the Lord in the morning. Just waking up, it's fresh. It's like great. I'm just like, woo, it's the best year ever so far. And I just pray to my heart, Lord, let him continue on. Let him, let him. Let me has been a huge prayer of mine this year. Just let me, Lord, let me please. Let me want you. Let me not wander. Notice that the psalmist says wander, drift, to be misled, he's very keenly aware of his knack to wander from the Lord. That's why he prays this prayer. He's very aware and conscious of prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. What does the hymn say? So take my heart. Take it. Seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. He recognizes you're the sovereign shepherd. You're giving me this devotion. So please, Lord, I want more grace. Let me, let me not wander from you. Let me not wander from your word. I love that. It's changed so much of my prayer life. And I hope it, I hope it helps our life of devotion as well. Life of devotion realizes that God is the sovereign shepherd. He who began a good work. He, it's on him to carry it out its completion. If you're having a great momentum in your affection for God, careful and beg God for more of that. Don't for a moment think that that was because of you. Thank the Lord for granting you. Even your guys' desire to be here tonight, that was a gift and grace of God. So we pray, let me, Lord. Let me not drift from this. Verse 11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love the word stored. It's to hide, to treasure up. It's a picture of a guy that's just like um, just gathering and collecting a bunch of stuff. It's like a pantry, and you're stuffing the pantry. Or it's like a soldier who's like filling up his armor and, and his arsenal, just, just store it up, you know? Brother Leo, I, I have one spear gun. He has like one too many, you know, but he's storing them up. He's just... One more, one more. He builds a whole rack for all his guns. Like he's storing it up. That's the, that's the word here, though. But you store things up that you see as valuable and precious. That's why you, people hide their money. They store it up. That's, but look, at he's saying, I'm storing up what? The word. I've stored up your word where? In my heart. Not on my bookshelves. One of the young men came into my study this recently, and he was just kind of like looking at my library and my, my study. He was just like, these are all your books. Wow. You read all these books? No, not yet. Not like Uncle Morris. Uncle Morris read all the books in his library. Um, but in his library, he just puts mine to shame. But I, was t I told the guy, I was like, I hope what you see here tangibly reflects on what's really happening in me internally, though. If God furnishes my library more, my heart better be there. It, better, it doesn't do any good on a, on a shelf. It needs to be my heart. 
This is what the young man is doing. He's storing up the word of God in his heart. Why, though? What's the purpose? That I might not sin. Spurgeon said it like this. The best thing, the word of God. In the best place, the heart. For the best purpose, that you might not sin against him. The best thing, the word of God. In the best place, your heart. For the best purpose, that you might not sin against the one who loves you so much. Now, why would the word help prevent us from sinning? Well, think about it. The word of God reveals to you and I the will of God. His mind, his, his heart, his plans, his decrees, what he likes, what he dislikes, his passions, his pleasures, his hatred. So if you and I store that up and we know God's word, we might not sin against him. Question, how are you storing up God's word? I love John 3.16 and I love Proverbs 3.5-6. Those are powerful home run hitter verses that have forever altered my life. But if by God's grace he gives me more time to live and he gave me a book this big, please, please don't just have that stored up. Please don't just know 3.16. You have a whole dense holy of a book. And when you start to see it the way the psalmist is seeing it, oh gosh, to know more than a page. Pages and pages of promises and power. Storing up. I imagine this guy just storing up so much of the scripture. He just got it all in him and it's just ready for any time of the day he needs it. Any scripture he needs to yank, just like boom, 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 boom. How, when Satan came and tempted our Lord in Matthew chapter 4, what did our Lord Jesus saying rebuttal every time he was tempted it is written store up the word of god in your heart young man young woman families so when sin presents itself when temptation comes and life's circumstances hit you hard in the face what comes out of you it is written thus saith the lord it's beautiful They spoke of John Bunyan saying this man was so saturated in scripture that if you cut him, he'd bleed the Bible. Oh, that you would make New Wanu Baptist Church, Lord, a people that love your word and we slay our sin with it. A life of devotion slays sin with the scripture. How are you fighting your sin? What are you fighting it with? Store up the word. I love that God didn't give us a pamphlet. He gave us a holy book. A big, big book. And you know, when I first started reading the Bible, I was very intimidated by this book because it's so big. Actually, it turned me off because I never read a book cover to cover since kindergarten. And there's not much pages, so it was very intimidating. But the more I really just think about that and how big this book is, it's starting to reflect how much God loves me loves you, loves us. He gave you words and words. That means he doesn't want to be silent. That means he loves you so much, he speaks to us this much. So store it up, friends. Think how this week are you going to store up God's word. I love scripture memory. I love things like that. I love good books that lead me to the book. Make, it, make an attempt to just store it up. I'll give you some practical things when we finish, but 
Let's move on. Verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Blessed are you, O Lord. Don't you love this man? He just has moments where you just got to tell him, I love you, Lord. You know, <laughs> just noteworthy. He just pauses in the middle of the psalm to just say, bless you, Lord. Love you. Do you have that in your day? And he says, oh, Lord, teach me your statutes. Oh, Lord, teach me. Teach me, teach me, teach me. A life of devotion is to be a disciple. A disciple is a student. A student says, I want to learn. He loves, loves, loves to learn. Matthew chapter 5, when, the, when Jesus was up on the hill, the crowd stayed, but the disciples went up the hill. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples were there. They wanted to learn. Matthew 28, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them to obey. Do you love learning the Bible? If you, if you lack a love for the Bible, it tells me a lot about whether you're a true disciple. Just how it is. Can't say you love God and you don't love his word. It's like saying you love me, but you don't want to listen to me. A life of devotion is to be a disciple. I love at the end of Paul's life, you remember what he asked Timothy to bring? He's about to enter into eternity. He says, can you bring my cloak? Yeah, the really warm, expensive one. Yes, that's the one. Um, and then also, can you bring my books and my parchments? Why, Paul? You're so old. You're going to see the King of Kings pretty soon. Well, because i got to learn more. There's more to learn. Bring me a good read. Please, please bring my Bible. That's Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. A life of devotion is to be a disciple. A couple more things. 13, with my lips I will declare all the rules of your mouth. A life of devotion declares the word. You can tell someone loves something because they can't stop talking about it, right? Right? You bring up a certain conversation. You know, you want to talk about coffee. You can, you, you can tell how all the coffee people are, you know? Um, foodie people love to talk about food. And you can tell. They declare it. You know? What does this guy want to talk about? The rules of your mouth, your word. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's so true. Guys, do our lips overflow with the Bible? I love walking around the halls at church and hearing people talk about the word. Try not to eavesdrop, okay? I'm not, but just if someone, it's like, oh, you know what it says in da-da-da. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> you know, like, I just love that. They just listen. The word of God dwells among us richly. We teach and admonish one another. We just love to talk about the word. Why? Because we love God. It's God's word. Let's finish up. Verse 14 to the end. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. That's beautiful, right? The way a rich man or the way a man realizes he just got an increase in income and he's just jazzed. He's like, that's how I am when I'm in the Bible. <laughs> I will meditate on your precepts. I'll fix my eyes on your ways. Imagine this guy. He can't get it out of his mind and he can't stop looking at it. That's a man who's obsessed with what? The word. Verse 16, I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. 
He repeats it multiple times. Delight, delight, meditate, look. Brother AJ brought it up in observation. A life of devotion really delights in the word. A life of devotion is a disciple, declares the word, but delights in the word. This is is just great. I love this stuff. A, A true life of devotion loves to hear the word of God read, preached, sung, lived out, just loves it. Is this us? In these just short snippet of this one psalm, because you read the rest of it, if you want to keep going and go all the way to 176, go for it. But you'll see this thing repeated again and again, and it becomes very clear and obvious that this man, who's after God's own heart, loves, loves, loves the Bible. He's devoted to the Lord through the word. Just look at the language, look at the verbiage, look at the emotion that comes up. I mean, if he had emojis, And like, what are those other things that send you like a snippet of a video? GIFs. If the psalmist had emojis and GIFs, this psalm would be huge. It's just like everywhere, animate, just tears, laughter, joy, just, he's into this. And it just really, when you read through something like this, you have to ask the Lord, like, how, how do you get, how do you get there? How does this happen? It all starts with him actually gazing upon God for who he truly is and recognizing he is a sinner saved by the grace of God. If you do not truly grasp the gospel of our Lord Jesus, you won't truly, truly experience religious affections like this. Your devotions this year will be mechanical. The joy will be short-lived because the joy will either be or an, an intellectual joy, or an emotional joy, but it won't be in a person. And his love for you, I am praying hard that the next time you break away and get alone with the Lord in prayer and in his word, you almost can't leave that place. You get up and you go, no, a little bit more. You get up and you go and you get in your car, you look back over there at the bench, and you're like, <laughs> I pray for that. I want you to... Get out of your car. Run back to the beach and just be with God. This is what I see in this man. He's the man after God's own heart. And oh, to imagine to be in a place with other brothers and sisters who see the king for who he is and we love him and we're moved by him. To study the word of God. That's what I feel like we're experiencing here today. That's why you're here. When it comes down to it, in the deep part of your heart, this is who you are. And let's ask the Lord, grant us, let us, let me have such a life of devotion. Will this year be a year that you and I truly taste and see, taste and see more of God's goodness? Will we delight ourselves in the Lord and come to realize that he is the desire of our heart? If you're longing to grow in your affection for God, then you must beg. Beg for a love for his word. There's no other, these are the ordinary means of grace, guys. The word of God and prayer, the ordinances, the fellowship of believers. So go get him. Get him. Seek him. Some personal 
practical things. Just throw it out there for you guys, and then we'll close. Aim to read through the Bible. Just aim for it. I'm not going to give you a time frame. The first time I read through the Bible, it took me seven years. Second time, three years. Third time, two years. Now I teeter on two. I'm trying to get it down to one. A lot of you guys are good. You can get it through one. But just aim to get through the whole thing. Why? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God. All of it is profitable. Store it all up. Store as much as you can. I remember when I was a teenager, I was high school, I had this dream. This is when I really started to get into the word, and it was so sweet. I had this dream that I was eating the Bible like a burger. And I was just taking these huge, and I, by the time I got to my second bite, my head exploded. <laughs> and I woke up, I was like, whoa, what was that? And I feel like the Lord was just kind of showing me one bite at a time, buddy. You know, <laughs> you can only handle so much, but just be diligent. You'll get through it all, right? And encourage you, um, aim to read through the whole Bible. Find a good time and a certain place. Find a good time. And when I say good time, like a good time for you, what's the best hour of your day? Just try it. Find a good time and a good place. Luke 11, 1, Jesus prayed at a certain place. And in seasons of his life, it was certain times. Mark 1, 35, sometimes it was in the morning while it was still dark, no one was up. That's not my time anymore. It was a time for a little bit, but just find a good time. Morning, lunchtime, evening, figure it out. A good time, certain place, that's your hot spot. That's your date time. Go get it. All right? Third thing, uh, for the person whose devotions have just be kind of become dull, if you're just honest with yourself, um, you read through the psalmist, and you're like, I remember those days, but yeah, those days are long gone. Here's my encouragement to you. Revelation chapter 2 rekindle by remembrance, repentance, and repeating. He says, you guys fell from your first love. You need to remember the height from which you've fallen. You need to repent. You need to redo the things you did at first. That's why for you young loves, if you have a place that we, you went on a date and it was like, oh, this was oh, this was a, the best date of my life, and you've been together for some time, you want to rekindle it, go back to that place. You know? Just there's something about remembrance. There's something about, you know, um, that's why for me, I just, I love parks and cemeteries. That's sorry, I just, something is so solemn about the cemetery, and I've just had so much great communion with God there. When I get to a cemetery, I'm just, I'm excited. I, it's weird, but I mean, that's where I go. And sometimes if I need to rekindle my affection, I'll remember, and I'll repent, and I'll go do the things I did at first. Last thing, and we'll close, make it a necessity. Make it a necessity. You and I will eat food tonight and tomorrow. We will drink water. We will take a shower. These are necessities. But is not the word of God daily bread? Is it not living water? It's a necessity. The psalmist, if you told him, you can't be in the word of God today, he would kick and scream like a brat. I think of the young loves who when they're first together, you can't pull them apart. They just die. <laughs> One hour away from each other, just no can. They, they die. So they're on the phone. Love you. Okay, bye. <sighs> Ten minutes of breathing. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Okay, no, you say goodbye first. Okay, bye. No, bye. For real, bye. You know, it's weird. Like, there's this, there's this element of just like, I don't want to be away from you. This is what we want with the Lord. Ten times over. Ten times over. Pray for that. Pray for that. Make it a necessity. Can't leave him. Don't, I can't go on without him. It's like breathing. Psalm 119, verse 9 through 16. Uh, may the Lord consecrate us. May we enjoy him. 
may there be an inner fire that's being reignited to go get him. Let's pray. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Lord, it is up to you. Let us. Some of us have been walking with you for months. Some of us have been walking with you for years, others for decades. And wherever we're at in the journey, one thing is true. Our affection for you and your word will always be attacked. It's always going to be the hardest thing to remain disciplined in because it is the most important thing and we're fallen and we live in a fallen world and we're still not in our fully glorified state. Therefore, we with the psalmist say, let us be devoted. Simply devoted and deeply delighted in knowing Christ and making Christ known. As we go, let your presence be so vibrant that car rides, getting home, taking walks in the stillness of the evening air, you're there. Let us never leave you. I pray that the next time we glance at our Bibles, it would never be the same. We'd look at it with such joy, such gratitude. And we'd read it, trembling. We'd turn the pages, realizing that this is precious. It is the Word of God. Thank you for loving us so. Thank you for sending your son, who is the word incarnate, and modeling it and showing us, saving us. And so, Lord Jesus, until we get to see you face to face, would you allow your Holy Spirit to be our helper and our guide and bless everyone here's devotional times. We love you, Lord. Help us to chase after you with everything we got. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.